I am Ohiro Umi Isena. Two years ago, I spent a week in Nigeria, the country that I have always been proud to call home, because it is the land of my birth. By the way, Nigeria is extremely corrupt and historically bedeviled by poor leadership, like much of the rest of Africa. With at least 36 states, most of which were created as products of ethnic loyalties, rather than rational thinking, Nigeria's oil wealth makes it one of the richest countries in the world. However, the pervasiveness of corruption in that country makes most of the country's infrastructure and hard-working citizens some of the poorest of any oil-producing country in the world. But Nigeria is a country that I hold dear to my heart. But why? I think it is because I was born there. But it must be more than that because I know of many people born and raised in Nigeria, including many, many who still live there, who prefer not to speak of Nigeria in the telling of the story of their lives. So, whenever I tell friends and relatives that I'm about to visit Nigeria, some ask me why. You see, I don't think I need the reason to visit a country in which my father gave me the most important lessons about life and love of country years before he made a transition to the world beyond. It does not matter to me where you choose to settle and spend the rest of your life, I remember him once telling me. It will not even bother me where you choose to marry from, he continued. All I want is that you always remember that Nigeria is the land of your birth, and it is home. I want you to know that God in his infinite, in his infinite wisdom put rivers on lands where he knew his water would be safe. Perhaps that's the reason he ordained that you will be born in Nigeria. In retrospect, I did not understand the deeper meaning of any of my father's statements, but I thought I did at the time. It took decades to get here, but I believe that I now know what it all means. I think it means that however beautiful and comfortable another town or country may be or feel, there is a reason why one's birthplace will be the one chosen by the omniscient God. And while one may never know what that reason was, it behooves a person to regard that birthplace with some sense of reverence, respect, and responsibility. To talk only about the negative characteristics of life in Nigeria, is to ignore the fact that its people can be as warm as the country's weather. 
It is also to negate the fact that good and bad coexist in every country on earth. Hmm, well, uh, back to my visit to Nigeria two years ago. The headline occasion was my niece's wedding. However, I accepted the opportunity to also address a very large group of law students at one of the country's universities, uh, Delta State University. As I took the stage and spoke, I could see on the faces of the students a high degree of respect, a remarkable yearning for knowledge, and a strong sense of gratitude to a man who was introduced and they obviously perceived as a son of Nigeria who went abroad and made good, but could also have greatly succeeded in Nigeria where he obtained his undergraduate degree. But what does one tell graduate and law students that are anxious to pick up their degrees and head into a world that they think they know? I think a lot. But the defining moments of this experience came not in the lecture that I gave, but in the exchanges that followed. No less than 90% of the questions that the students asked me were about race, racism, and social justice in the United States. One student asked me, how can anyone be sure that racism has not permeated your justice system in the United States to the point where blacks should never expect justice to be fair. Another asked me, why was the white boy who killed nine black people in a church in South Carolina get treated as a king when he was being arrested? We all know that he will definitely have been killed had he been black. That question was immediately followed by another. Why did the judge in whose court the murderer of those nine black Christians was arraigned last week say that the family of the killer should also be seen as victims in the same way as the families of the nine people murdered are seen as victims? Then another question. Why do white police officers always kill black people in the United States? Would you please explain to us the human factors that you perceive in the American justice system and how they impact social justice? Why, 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 why? Obviously, some of the students were determined to make me answer for what they perceived as the sins of the United States, despite knowing that I, like them, was born in Nigeria. But, well, I will never fault them for the way that they perceived of me, but instead I feel delighted about the fact that their questions provided me with the opportunity to model the values and challenges of citizenship. 
I recall that on one occasion in Europe, I challenged obvious hypocrisy by standing up for a U.S. president whose policies I did not even agree with, and I informed the Europeans that not only were they as culpable for the Iraq war, but that, at least from where I come, hypocrisy was not a virtue. Needless to say, the conversation ended. I recall another incident in Moscow, Russia, where one of the speakers at a conference that I was attending, a Russian professor dubbed as one of the country's leading sociologists, told us that there were two kinds of civilizations. A black civilization characterized by violence, crime, brutality, and all of those negative things that we witness and experience in our society, versus what he called a white civilization characterized by peace, intelligence, sense of responsibility, respect, creativity, and all of the positive things that we see and experience in our societies. Well, uh, most of us from the United States and Canada responded by holding up the conference until the famous sociologist apologized and acknowledged that his presentation was not a product of any scholarship. In that instant, we knew that by binding together, we were exercising a responsibility to humanity and to our respective countries with sizable numbers of black and other racial and ethnic minority citizens and residents. So, in answering the questions that I was asked by those students in Nigeria, I was reminded of three things. First, that people around the world know a lot more about the United States and Americans and, of course, Europe than Americans and Europeans do about the world. Think about that for a moment. It means that the entire world is watching the current president of the United, United States doing his best to tear our nation and our world apart and get more people to hate one another. What an embarrassing and scary realization. It also means that the world is seen, and I am sure we discussed, this president's advocacy on behalf of bigotry and the people who practice it. Second, thanks to technology, the claim that the world is now one global village is not an overstatement. The third thing that I learned was that even in my birthplace, I am not only seen through multiple lenses, but I also have a responsibility to uphold the best values of my adopted country. As I received their standing ovation and then listened to a vote of thanks presented to me by the designated student at the end of the session in that Nigerian university, I could almost hear my father's voice reminding me that I was born in Nigeria for a reason. I could almost hear him tell me 
that there was a reason why I was standing on that podium on that day at that time. And yes, I could almost hear him remind me of my responsibilities to the land of my birth. At the same time, I wondered if the students in front of me truly understood the magnitude of their good fortune to have had the renowned Professor Baraiki, who is one of Africa's leading scholars in constitutional law, arrange this opportunity for them to interact with me on that day. Did they know how fortunate they were to be university students in an age where so much knowledge is at the fingertips of the willing? Did they know that they had a responsibility to their nation? And will they be willing to do the selfless work that is needed to transform their society and provide hope to generations that come behind them? I still do not know the answer to any of these questions, but on that day, in that university, in Nigeria, I told those students that the nature of Nigeria's, the future of Nigeria's people and democracy hung on their willingness to serve professionally, honestly, sincerely, generously, and selflessly as well as on their ability to always choose truth and justice with courage. You see, things do in fact happen for a purpose, and we are sometimes placed in certain situations for reasons that defy explanation. This is what I believe. I also believe that things do in fact go full cycle sometimes. My quest is never to search for the reason why I was born in Nigeria or to try too hard to understand my experiences. Instead, I am eternally grateful to my father for his lectures as I also warmly embrace the blessing of being a national of two countries. Two homes, but of which I love very dearly. Certainly, with such a blessing come responsibilities. When my time on earth is spent, I want to be able to see my father again and thank him. I also want to thank my mother for her role in educating me for the first few years of my life before her transition to heaven. When the bell tolls for me, I want it said that I embraced and fulfilled my responsibilities to my two countries and that I did so with a strong sense of gratitude and also that I did so in a manner that glorified my maker. When he welcomes me to his kingdom, may he say, welcome, my son, you were not perfect but you used very well the talents that I gave you. You honored the country that I had you born in and the one that I additionally blessed you with. By so doing, you made me happy and my grace covers your imperfections. So help me God.